I'm John Feldman. And I'm Andrew Smith. And I'm Mike. And this is The Rally Call. And we're live. As you probably heard on the intro, we have a very special guest today who I will introduce in just a moment. Now, throughout our episodes, we have always talked about or alluded to the mindset of the seller. And today, we are really lucky to have Mike Myers. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Who has been a Sandler instructor for decades to talk to us today about what it truly means to have the seller's mindset. In our last episode, mindset generated a lot of feedback. A lot of questions about, about... what it allows you to do, what you withstand, the ups, the downs. But I really want to get into this with you because in in our trainings that we've done together, when I hear seller's mindset, I think of you. So we have a few questions for you today, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into them and we're gonna try to understand the seller's mindset so I can share it with the audience because I think your lessons are extremely valuable. So first question, Mike. What is the seller's mindset? What is the seller's mindset? Uh, you know, I think that if you think about a seller's mindset, it goes back to our ability to understand our role in sales. Because as we talk about uh, being the, in the role of disqualifying versus qualifying and, and having that equal business stature with your prospects, it's all about having a conversation. I think a lot of times we think about seller's mindset it's, it's more about helping people buy versus selling. And then what that really means is how do we get a seller's mindset is really, the, I think, the bigger question to ask. And it's really understanding that um, desperation doesn't sell. Like in, in traditional selling, it's let me give you 10 reasons why it makes sense for you to buy from me, right? So we're going to give them the 10 reasons. Those are our reasons to buy. Where we think about the opposite of that is, we're going to sit down together, have a conversation and see if it's a fit or not a fit for us to work together. So that desperation, every other term commission breath, like they can smell it a mile away. So our ability to understand the seller's mindset is uh, the first one we really give, give people in Sandler is I'm financially independent and I don't need the business. I want the business. I don't need the business. So if that's your mindset, when you pick up the phone, when you go into meetings, more flexibility and equal business stature with your prospect peer to peer. I like how you discern those things, helping people buy rather than selling. So is this, is it, or do you see when all of your teachings, people genuinely kind of have a look on their face where like, I have to look at this in a different way? Yeah. Again, I think that one of the things we, we bring to the table is really, having them shift their mindset, right? Because traditional selling says, hey, get in there, you know, tell them why they, they want to work with you and then show them a demo and close, like ABC always be closing. And that's not what we teach at all. So I, I look at a, a, your mindset's critically important for success. And it's not really, from my perspective, uh, quantum leaps, leaps, it's a shift in your mindset. One of the things that I've noticed holds people back relates to what you said about equal business stature. So people are cold calling or they qualifying a lead. They generally feel lucky to be talking to that person that uh, I got a chance that I have to persuade them. And often you're told you want to call as high as possible. You want to call executives, decision makers who are not going to be your actual 
equal business stature, right? They're going to be older than you, more profet- more experienced, more knowledgeable. How do you make that jump to, ch- to convince yourself that you have equal business stature? Part of this is that you can't compete against a C-level person because you're not, but you have to compete on your playing field, right? So if, if I've got a solution that's going to help a CFO be more effective in their, in their job, in their role, providing specific solutions, I need to play in the right field. And your ability to, to have product knowledge, product knowledge gives you confidence, right, to have conversations. But it's really the, the shift has been, especially from technology, is not focusing on the features and benefits, but focusing on the business outcomes. So when you think about equal business stature at a C-level, it's what are the business outcomes that our solutions will provide this person if they have the problem, right? So the way I think about a seller's mindset or that mindset is, listen, Andrew, we're going to spend some time together. At the end of our conversation, we'll decide if it's a fit or not a fit for a next step. If it doesn't make sense, that's fine. If it makes sense, we could spend the last five minutes discussing next steps in the process. Does that sound fair? So what you just said, I know touches a a little bit on the psychology of of Sandler. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the mindset shift, how it relates to be able to have that type of conversation. Because like... That's a that is a training that that I've taken and picked up on what you said. But there's a reason why you say it that way. Can you can you tell uh, tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I, I, in general, I think it's about really driving to outcomes, right? So when whenever we're in a situation, we start like if you want to get better at closing meetings, it's about it's about the beginning of some meetings. So a lot of people think like closing happens at the end. Our perspective is closing happens at the beginning because we define the outcomes and we agree to the outcomes. And and our ability to to put that in place gives us an ability to really have a much more freedom. And that if the no, if we talk about that no in the beginning, it's not about necessarily wanting a no, but getting people to relax and have a conversation. If I said, hey, Andrew, I got some great solutions. I know we can help. Why don't you go first? The wall goes up. So that's kind of the, 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 the mindset behind the, or the process or the technique is all about kind of defining outcomes in the beginning and driving to them at the end. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. So I've managed a lot of sellers in my time and I've, I've seen the seller's mindset when it's working. And I've also seen sellers fall out of the mindset. In, in your experience, what causes that? Have you seen that a lot? How do people slip out of being productive and go into a funk? You think about it, you have a couple of bad experiences in a row. Our minds try to connect those dots. There's a concept we have in Sandler called the belief wheel. The belief wheel says our beliefs are self-fulfilling prophecies. Let's say you start losing to the competition and you think it's because you're not as aggressive in terms of pricing. So your belief is you heard the competition's in there. So your negative belief is if I don't discount, I'm going to lose a deal. So your reaction is you give them a big discount. If you get the deal, you say you discounted enough. If you don't get the deal, you say, I didn't discount enough, but it goes around and around and around. So one of the ways to shift and to get a better seller's mindset is to change your behavior. When you're struggling, it's about focusing on doing the right behavior, not the results. Like if I just focus on doing that consistent behavior every day, I will shift my mindset. I'll start to see different results. I love what you just said. I want you to repeat it because I think it's so important. When reps come to me that are struggling, I will always will say the same thing. I say, just focus on doing the right behavior every day. Don't worry about the results. Because 
if you start, it's like almost like sand in your hand. The more you, you, you focus on the results and the more you struggle, the more the sand goes between your fingers. It's almost like you think about great athletes that perform in, in, in very high pressure situations, right? They've done it a hundred times before and they perform. The minute you tighten up and you can't, when you're, when you're desperate or you're, you're struggling and you focus on getting that result, you can't do a lot of things that are going to make you successful in terms of techniques and tactics or just in general having good conversations. The hockey analogy for that is gripping the stick too tight. You need a goal, but you can't score because you're too tight. Mike, you talked about the mindset and then you talked about consistent behaviors. Those are, those are two. Can you talk a little bit about how attitude plays into this? I think the attitude and mindset and self-confidence and self-esteem are all maybe in the same bucket. Right, you think about your your attitude leads to your your mindset and your, your beliefs in your mindset, which are underpinning your self confidence and self esteem. It's important to have a positive mental attitude. I'm not saying that's not important, right? We we want to come to work every day with a positive mental attitude, but just having a positive mental mental attitude on its own is not strong enough to get you through the tough times. The the the, the other part of that is really having those beliefs around. Okay, if I do the right things. Um, eventually I'm going to see that success. And so that's the important part of the process as well. You look at the life of a salesperson, right? I mean, the word no happens a lot. And it's a, it, this is an emotional career. This is an emotional job. You're vested. And I, 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 I respect what you're trying to say. I, I really do. And I, I try to live it every day too, because like we're still in the game. But, sure. but I... People struggle at this. Like people, this this is something from like a mental health aspect in in our in our industry that really can grind people down. Like yeah. like, how do you? What is what is your your advice or what should people do when they're feeling that it's like I need to I need to take a step back or do they take a step back? Help me answer that one. Again, it goes back to another theory we talk a lot about in Sandler is separating your identity or your intrinsic value as a human being from your role, right? Your role as a salesperson. The two major reasons why salespeople fail are fear of failure and fear of rejection because it leads to call reluctance. Call reluctance is I don't want to pick up the phone and get another no. So uh, there's a, there's a, you may have heard this acronym is SWSWSWN. Do you remember that one? I remember it. Some will, some won't, so what next? From a mental health perspective, it's about that short-term memory, right? No, no long-term memory. Like if somebody says, no, we move on to the next. It's a very similar to the Tony Robbins one, which is take the best, leave the rest, move on. Mike, you said something earlier that I agree with, but it's hard to implement in a lot of situations. You, you mentioned... Focus on the behavior and not the results. So this is something you're saying to a struggling rep, not getting the results they want. So you tell them, just worry about making the calls, doing the methodology, doing the thing. You can't ignore the results if you're getting pressure, quarter end, year end, whichever end it is. There's always that pressure for the results. How maybe as a sales leader, do you deliver that message? without giving the sales rep an out for producing yeah. the results. 
but you realize that at least my experience is that the more pressure we put on a salesperson to perform at the end of the month, end of the quarter, the 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 worse their performance will be. Because what happens is they'll work diametrically opposite to their own best interest. Because when they're struggling, they're gonna like if they need this deal badly, they're gonna start to discount, they're gonna start giving things away. And the perception from the prospect's perspective is it's all about them. If your manager is putting that pressure on you and is just demanding activities and not the specific behavior, they just want the results, that's a red flag that your manager needs to learn how to coach, doesn't know how to coach probably. It's really more about building the value proposition, right? So, I mean, I think it's like money is never the issue why people don't buy. When they say we're looking at something at a lower price, it means you've been outsold. They think they can get the same thing for less. So to your point, um, it's really about expanding and understanding that having the right conversation at the right time is important. When I say focus on the behavior, it doesn't mean we give them an out for the results, but a lot of times bad quarters don't happen in the third month of the quarter. They happen in the first month of the quarter where they don't do enough behavior. So I think those are the things I would think about, you know, as I'm working with someone over time, it's making sure they're doing that blocking and tackling discipline over time to be more successful. And then you're going to coach them. So what I, what I find really interesting is that I think a lot of people in this industry throw around the term mindset and mindset means a lot of different things. I think what Mike is saying is that when someone says mindset, it's not only about attitude. It's about putting in your head that I don't need every single deal that I need the deals that look and feel and smell like the good ones. I can take no because they're not saying no to me personally. They're saying to me no professionally. And that if I continue to do the right behaviors, I believe that the right outcomes are going to come out. Did I capture that right, Mike? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's that persistent discipline behavior is going to be the key. I mean, a lot of salespeople are not successful, not because they can't do the, the behavior or they can't do it, is they don't do it consistently. And they don't, uh, they don't really follow a plan or a process. Mike, can you talk a little bit about separating the sales role from your intrinsic value as a human being? Yes, I can. I can, and I, I can explain it a little further. Think about separating your identity from your role. One way to think about it is that let's say that uh, this evening you went to the store, it was late, you went out of the store, you looked on the ground, you saw $100 bill just sitting on the ground, no one around. What are you going to do? I'll pick it up. Right. So then let's say same scenario. Well, now you walked out of the, the store, you looked down, there's a $100 bill, but it's crumpled up a bit. Like, is it a ball? What are you going to do? I'll still pick it up. All right. Good. Well, then third scenario was that you walk out of that store, it's raining outside, you look down, there's a puddle. A hundred of those right in the puddle. What are you going to do? I'll pick it up and dry my hands. There you go. Perfect. Well, in all three cases, you pick up that hundred dollar bill. Why do you do that? It's still a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's still worth a hundred dollars. See, the intrinsic value never changes. And a lot of times in sales, you're like that hundred dollar bill that gets beat up. Like you get beat up every day, but your intrinsic value, you as a human being doesn't change. And so the goal to think about is that rejection and failure, when it hits you, it's not about your intrinsic value as a human being. It's about you and your role as a salesperson. And so the goal is you have to build a wall between the two. So when someone says no, it's to what you're selling, not to you personally, because that rejection and failure leads to that call reluctance. And so once we're there, it's much more difficult to pick up the phone or to make a call because you don't want to hear another no. 
And that goes back to what John was mentioning earlier is focusing on those no goals. Like early in my career, we used to make calls and we had no goals every day. We say, we want to get 20 no's today. If, you get, if you're pretty good at prospecting, it's hard to get 20 no's. You really reposition your activity and what you're trying to accomplish. And then the yeses happen on their own. Because in sales, you get far more no's than yeses. So you have to be, especially in a prospecting role, you have to be prepared for that, right? As you move to an enterprise role or different roles, you may have less prospecting, but those are all a part of the business. And I think that most people over-identify with the job that they do. Sales is no exception. So they think about their some, themselves, I am a salesperson, this is who I am, and if I'm not doing well, I must be deficient in some way. Right. In your life, you pick up and drop hundreds of roles, right? At one point, you were a hockey player. Maybe you still are. At one point, you may be a father, you may be an uncle, you may be a brother or a sister, you may be, uh, you know, uh, you know, a musician. So you have all these different roles in life. The roles don't define your intrinsic value of who you are. Beautifully said. So why does no one talk about this in sales? What, John, have you ever worked somewhere where people have talked to you about the emotional ups and downs and how to manage that? I've probably taken Sandler, oh God, probably five plus times. Um, probably five plus times with Mike. Um, but I don't think I have ever sat back and digested and really thought about what he just said to the point where we just had that conversation. I really haven't. And this is why we wanted to bring Mike on is because after we talked about this and we got to know what the mindset is from Mike or for even maybe Sandler's viewpoint or even in sales viewpoint, it's super, super important that people in this industry understand what that mindset is. But in, in listening to it, like it finally lands on me from hearing how Mike describes it, how important it is to adopt this mindset. Because if you don't have those two separations of, of yourself, you're going to walk out of, your, out of your job when it's five o'clock and you're sliding down the dinosaur's tail after taking how many no's, you're going to feel terrible about yourself. But if you adopt and you listen and you learn what Mike says, right, your intrinsic value carries with you regardless of how your day went. I've had that conversation with people about separating your role from who you are. But it's always been at the very end, right? When they're broken emotionally, they're ready to quit or I have to fire them. And I tell them and remind them, hey, you're a good person. This isn't about a judgment of your personality or your value as a person. When the time to have that was a year ago. So every day I'm writing in my journal different things around kind of my goals, what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think the best way to help someone is to talk about I goals and our goals. Right. So our goals around your role, I goals around your identity, but put things on paper and write them down. I'll tell you one story. When I started in Sandler years ago, I first three months, I was struggled and um, I, was, I wasn't selling anything. I thought I was possessed, you know, because I'd been done well in sales before I got there because I was a desperate salesperson. And my mentor said, every day in your journal, write down, I'm financially independent. I don't need the business. I want it. I don't need it and then start making your calls. And that's what freed me to start to be more successful, right? Is to have that mindset before I picked up the phone. And so I think a lot of times what happens is that we get caught in our heads. And it's like, a, that, it's like that racetrack. When you write things down, when you put it on paper, you can digest it and look at things a different way. 
I think a lot of experienced uh, sales leaders are at the point where they can look at a forecast and know which deals are going to close and which deals won't. Do you, when you're doing a training and you walk into a room and maybe it's two or three days in, do you know which salespeople are going to be successful and which ones won't? Like, do you, is your experience level there? And I'm assuming that it is, by the way. I don't mean to lead the witness. You know what I would say? People have surprised me. And I think it's the, the, the one number one thing that people have to be committed to change and be uncomfortable, right? So if they're, if you have salespeople, no matter where, where they are today, if they're committed to change and be uncomfortable and do things differently, they always can get better. I can tell you there are people that have come into the training that, that I know that will not, uh, like, like the, we always talk about hostages, like they were sent to training, right? They, they, they're, they're just there because they were sent there. They're not going to change anything. So it's a waste of their time to be with me. So I could definitely identify the hostages pretty quickly. But the, if you're open to change and open to be uncomfortable, because change is uncomfortable for all of us. And the things that Sandler teaches are sometimes very different than how people would think if they've been doing this for a while. So those are key things I look for. So we've talked about the mindset. I think that we've we've clarified exactly what we mean by mindset. I think the other piece of mindset that you just alluded to is being open to change and maybe not believing that like your skill level has peaked and you know it all. It's it's the opposite. Like there's so much more to learn. I'm going to suck up all everything that Mike is going to teach me and I'm going to be better. And I think that goes back to I, the lack of separation between the role and your value as a human. Because if you've had a huge amount of success, you equate that with your value, right? See, those are the people that turn into arrogant jerks, right? For whatever reason, they've been successful, whether it was by luck or skill, but they think they're better than everyone else because they close a lot of business. Yeah, and then there's no mouthwash strong enough for commission breath. Yeah, I had a client recently where I trained their enterprise reps. There are 85 around the world. These guys were very highly, highly paid um, enterprise reps. You know, on average, they would probably make four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year. So uh, very highly paid. Most have been in the company more than 15 or 20 years. And when I went there, I'm like, oh, this is, this could be a tough training. And there were salespeople there that were open to change because the marketplace had changed. Right, the way that they sold in the past wasn't working. So people generally change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. So even though they've been doing it for 15 or 20 years and done very well, they really say that adapt or change to the marketplace in order to be more successful or continue to be successful. All right, so we've talked a lot about of mindset and attitude and, and things, but one thing we haven't touched upon is skill. So Mike, pick one, attitude or skill? That's a great question. I feel like skill or techniques is something you always can teach. But if they don't have the right mindset and the right behavior to support it, it doesn't matter. And I can tell you, I've trained hundreds of maybe thousands of people over the years that had great technique, didn't have a good attitude or good set of behaviors, or and they, they weren't successful. But I have had a lot of salespeople I've trained over the years that had lousy technique when I met them had a great attitude and great set of behaviors, and they became successful. 
If you like the show, follow us on LinkedIn. We're the Rally Call. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple. Share the word. Let's get it out. There's a sales revolution coming, and it's starting with the Rally Call. The Rally Call is produced by Scott Switzer.